Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio, it's... Pickles Mountaineer. Richie Rich. And I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. We've got a plethora, or plethora, depending on, you know, if you're... Whether you'd like to pronounce it correctly or not. (laughs) Well, which one's correct? Plethora. Really? Yeah, look it up. Why not plethora? Because that's not how it works. Isn't it tomato, tomato? Put your emphasis on the right syllable. What about tomato or tomato? Which one's the correct one? Are you British? Which is the emphasis? Are you British? I mean, what is that? Is it a lorry or is it a truck? Is it an elevator or a lift? Is it a boot or a trunk? Exactly. Well, I don't know. Well, over here. Like, first of all, I'm not really. It's a tomato. I'm not really all that into the fruit that most people mistake as a vegetable. Called the tomato or the tomato, depending on if you're British or not. That's really the def- like yeah. how it, wow. Yeah. What about that mid Atlantic, northern mid Atlantic? You know, well, like they're all pretending the, to be British. Like all the all the black and white, all the like New the, Englanders. Yeah, like like yeah, the Gene they're Kelly pretending and to the, be, they're pretending to be British. Like outside so of Jimmy Stewart, every every movie Jimmy Stewart has ever been in, he has had the Americans list. Americans pretend to be British. British people pretend to be French, and French people have no one to pretend to be when they're being fancy. That used to be one of my biggest gripes about, uh, we'll call it pop music in the 80s. We're talking Casey Kasem's The Weekly Top 40. Mm. Here's my long-distance dedication, right? Like, all of the pop songs, like, when American singers would sing, they would try and sing as if they were British. Okay. Right, but then the British oh, singers, because the British singers, they would talk like this and everything, but they would sing like they're American. Nah. Yeah, right? I always found that accents like, That's go weird. away when you start singing. Well, what about the Australians? They, they, well, same thing. Like oh. Olivia Newton-John does, a famous Australian singer, right, and also gorgeous woman, uh, formerly. Uh, yeah, she's seen her time, but at the time, like you know. Um, she was like a hot female solo pop artist, right? And she has a very sexy Australian accent, but when she sings, it's gone. Okay. It's very American. All her singing style, her, her dialect, her accent goes away and she sounds as American as any other American singer. Now you could take, I'm trying to think of one now. I want an an Irish example. I can't think of an Irish example. Can they get rid of the accent? When they sing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I've always found that to be the case. As soon as you start singing, the accents goes for the most part. Like, there it, are exceptions. It either goes away or general, it becomes different than what you actually speak. Right? And I'm saying that because American pop singers, when they start singing, um, many of them start sounding British. Okay. So maybe it's I, just the auto tune of the modern pop music. No, no, no. This is okay. I'm talking pre auto tune. All right, right. We're talking, you know, nineteen before nineteen ninety. Well, then you had the synthesizer, and that well, functionally the same. And that's why all the you know pop hits of the eighties sounded like crap because it's all eight bit samples and you know horrible synthesizers that do a crappy job of well synthesizing. Um, like oh my god, the the, the tones. Themselves. Somebody once told me the the eighties were filled with some of the best music that was the most poorly produced. Okay, <laughs> because of mm. the advent of eight bit digital technology, everybody took the lazy way out and went, "Ah, oh, this is good enough." 
instead of you know trying to make these samples better, create their own samples, et cetera, and so on. They had to catch up to the tech curve, right? So the tech tech really affects the entertainment industry first. Did you listen to the new Beatles song? I did. Okay. I was I was whelmed. Okay. I I wasn't combobulated. I okay. was just I was just whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I was just like, oh, okay. And then I read about it, and I read that they did some like AI enhancements to some of the vocal tracks from right. John Lennon, of course, because he's dead, right? And then Paul. Well, first did- they had to isolate the voice, yeah. which they haven't been able to do. And finally, the technology has caught up where they could have, where they were able to isolate the voice. That tech has been around for a while. It's just that like the Beatles are probably the only uh, entity that can afford to use it at this point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, that is what they did. Exactly what they did. They they isolated uh, Lennon's tracks. They were able to do some, we'll call it audio sweetening to that. Uh, Paul went into the studio, laid down some, of course, bass tracks and some backing vocals, et cetera, and so on, as did the rest of the band. It wasn't completely re-recorded. They had some of those tracks that they had saved on tape. Yes, actual tape, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, instead of in a digital format, I'm sure they transduced it into the digital domain to do this mix. Once upon a time, men would wind magnets around reels. And that is how computers were born, children. Tyler Durden reports from the activistpost.com. NYC speed cameras have issued 4.5 million tickets totaling hundreds of millions of dollars this year. Automated, not even real cops doing real cop work, like pulling mm-hmm. people over and extorting yeah, money from them. What's the the Stallone and Bullock movie? Oh, Demolition Man! Demolition Man! Come on! This is straight out of Demolition Man. Man, <laughs> Demolition Man. Well, man. I mean, we haven't quite reached the point where the automated ticket maker is in the bathroom listening to you cuss. You have been fined one credit yet for violation of the verbal morality code. I, I mean. Mm-hmm. The FCC exists, so as far as I'm concerned, we're like just a half step away from that. Man, if you take your phone into the bathroom, they're listening to you in the bathroom, oh, yeah. too. That's Here, true, but we haven't reached the point that, A, they're admitting that they listen okay. to you in the bathroom, and B, they start fining you for using naughty words for All right. it. Fair enough. We've talked, they're already listening. We've, but they you're know right. when I'm pooping. When the day comes, they will not waste expensive paper that could be used to wipe your bottom it'll just, by giving you tickets. No. It'll just pop up as a presidential notification yeah, just, that you can't ignore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just get a little notification, you now owe God. this for using... The Biden administration finds you one credit. So two flushes, always two flushes when you number two. We have talked about on Free Talk Live how you know things are. Progressing. I don't think it'll be that useful, honestly. Like but, every time that uh, YouTube tells me that uh, they've you know stopped something, they never tell you why. It's just it's violated something. Yeah. Who knows what it's violated? Who knows what you were supposed to say but didn't say, or weren't supposed to say but did say. But, That's even worse than Demolition Man, because at least right. they give you the reason you can find the credits. Right. Be well. Be well. Uh, New York City speed cameras have issued 4.5 million tickets, totaling hundreds of millions this year. Just oh, this that, year. Yeah, okay. Just this year. Not like since the program began or... Where are these cameras you know. located? I feel like you can't really speed through New York City. I mean, I feel like that, too. It just seems to me... it. Like, I've only driven through New York City one time, so, you know, my experience is very limited. But it seems what I congested. can say is that, well, 
things didn't move very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, peak peak rush hour, right? You know, which is, you know, two and a half, three hours before and after the actual hour of rush. Yeah, right, think, which is like five o'clock, right? And it's so, only the rich people driving. Yeah, because everyone else is on the rush suburbs. hour. Goes from like three until seven thirty or something like that in most big cities. Seattle was even one of them uh, when I lived there. Like rush hour was like, oh man, if you want to, if you want to get out of work early and beat the actual rush, you got to leave before four, right? Yep. Because like four until probably seven, you know, was the normal quote rush hour unquote, which I realize is like a three hour span. Yeah, I think they invented using the pull-off as an extra lane of te- traffic there. Which, by the way, is one of the most antisocial behaviors you can engage in, in my opinion. Well, and in, in Seattle has this weird thing where uh, all of their on-ramps and off-ramps are uh, the same, right? They're, they're one thing. So in the Midwest, uh, if you're driving on a freeway and it's like, hey, the town you want to get off on is uh, you know exit 7. Okay. Right. And so you take that exit and and you go towards that town. Now, maybe somewhere between a half a mile and several miles down the road is the on-ramp from that same town putting you back on the freeway. Okay. In the Seattle, Washington area, however, those are together. So people coming onto the freeway have to zipper merge with people getting off the freeway into the same lane. They have it backwards. I don't know why they do it backwards. There should be like an exit entrance lane. Right. But you exit first to clear the lane. Correct. And then you enter afterwards. Which is where it happens in almost every other place outside of the West Coast. Oh, I didn't catch it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know that song. Name the character. Hmm? The character that all the time in Welcome Back Hunter went, ooh, 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 ooh. Never really watched the show. All I can tell you is up your nose with a rubber hose. Oh, yeah. Twice as far with a chocolate bar. Nice. In your ear with a can of beer. And if you don't like that, try a baseball bat. Yeah, that was, uh, man, I, it was, I think it was, uh trying to remember the guy's name, the guy who played Cotter, uh, Gabe, mm, don't remember his last name, uh, but it was him and I think Rick Dees uh, was like, Rick Dees was, Rick he was Dees a what? C- comedian, uh, but... Uh, Rick D's nuts, uh, <laughs> uh, but he also uh, did some like some funny music. Uh, Rick D's did uh, a song called "Eat My Shorts" long before the Simpsons were ever invented, uh, and it was uh, uh, it was basically uh, him getting a divorce, right? And so he's like, "Eat my shorts, yes, choke on polished cotton. Eat my shorts, everything we had is rotten, and baby, I'll see you in court. Eat my shorts." Nice. Right. And so, like, in my mind, before The Simpsons were ever, they, The Simpsons first appeared on the Tracy Ullman show, right? One of the first Fox uh, original productions. And it was just a bit uh, like, you know, five minute cartoon that appeared during this comedy skit show. And that was spun off into what we all know today as The Simpsons, which has been on for 30 years now or something. Right. Um, but Rick D's. Uh, his song appeared on like solid gold. Uh, it appeared, I think he did a thing, uh, with Tracy Ullman on the Tracy Ullman show. And then, uh, the song, uh, that I mentioned earlier with him or with Gabe Kaplan, I think is the actor's name. That sounds right. Gabe Kaplan and Rick Dees was with a K. What is it? Was the, um, not eat my shorts. What was the thing you said originally? Up your nose with a rubber hose. Up your nose with a rubber hose. Right. And so, uh, because I'm a fan of Dr. Demento, 
these songs got airplay not only on regular terrestrial radio for a short period of time, but they showed up on the Dr. Demento show repeatedly. Uh, And I think, like, Dr. Demento is still doing a show, for any of you who are fans, Hmm. he's still doing a show. It's just not on radio anymore. You go to Mm -hmm. drdemento.com, you got to pay, I don't know, five, ten bucks a month or something, right, to, like, and then you have access to the entire Demento archives. Wow. Right? So, yeah. And he still does a show weekly on Sundays, uh, but it's just not on radio anymore. It was just more cost-effective for them to go to the web-only thing and use his collection to the advantage and collect wasn't subscribers his whole way. thing being weird well i mean like that, wasn't that basically the shtick like that was right yeah yeah it was how do you even do that now well you don't do it now like <laughs> like dr demento literally uh had to move at some point because the weight of his record and cd collection was too much for the apartment in which he lived in and there was some question about the structural integrity of where he lived and I mean, so, get a storage unit, man. Well, okay, okay, but like, you know, you're already paying rent in California somewhere, so, okay. you know, like, you're going to try and house as much of that as you can in your own place, right? All right. Save the money. Unless and, it requires me to move. And like, while Dr. Demento has achieved fame, I'm pretty sure fortune eluded him. Okay. Right? Like, he didn't, it's not like he didn't get paid, but like, he's not a multimillionaire anything like that like weird al yankovic is a multimillionaire, right and dr demento launched his career almost single-handedly because no one else would play parodies and still to this day it's hard for parody artists to get airplay because none of the distributors none of the stations want to take the risk of getting sued like parody is protected by law but you can only invoke fair use as a defense you can't up front be like, hey, I'm putting this song out. It's fair use. It's a parody. It's comedy. It's satire. It's you know social commentary. It's politically charged, whatever it is, uh, whatever your reason. You can't just say that up front and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll publish it. No. But, Captain, you we have, have free speech in this country. <laughs> yeah, no. You have to find a publisher and a, and a radio station who are both willing to risk the lawsuit, so the infamy, the publicity, if you will. Right. Some stations are like, yeah, our ratings are down. We need some we need some press right now. Right. Yeah, we'll go ahead and play. Like, occasionally you can find Sometimes something like Sometimes there's no that. such thing as bad press. Right. But most of the time, parody songs are not getting played on the radio, with the exception of the former Dr. Demento show. Mm. And that was a syndicated radio program, and they just ate all of the risk to well, do this and, one show. And part of it is just that music is such a closed system at this point. So, like, there are very few, very powerful uh, actors in that. So if you get a reputation for snubbing any one of those, then the others won't work with you. And since it's not one of those situations where a whole bunch of new people can come in and be like, oh, well, that you're just leaving money on the table. I will totally do that. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's very insular. So before the Internet, it was radio and television, and it was genuinely easy for the state to acquire what most people believed to be popular opinion. Right, but I'm like, trying to relate this to like being you being the product when it comes to government. Like you Oh, you, when it comes to government, right? Yeah. You're not the product. They're not selling well, your information. I mean, it's, no, you the, are the product. They are the selling purchaser. you. To who? To China? Well, among other things. Okay. Well, part of you, yes. See, that's the thing. It's not one place that all of this power is going to yeah the, it's it's a whole consortium that is bidding for this part and that part the entire control federal over your life reserve banking system the entire federal reserve banking system illustrates this 
Does it? Right? Because, yeah, because the reason the United States has such a great credit rating with central banks is because they're banking on you continuing to pay your taxes. Right. That's the collateral they use to get all these loans. They're like, well, we have a population of 395 million, whatever the United States population is, 390 some million people, whatever. I thought it was around 330. Okay, but, whatever. Yeah. Three, 300 million people or more. Uh, and uh, because we're the government and we're taxing them, we know that we're to, it's just like you doing your calculation for your mortgage. You're like, well, I make, uh, you know, 80 grand a year and my house payment's going to be a thousand bucks. And so I make three times, you know, it's just like you doing that calculation. So when, it's when just it the government to- doing the calcu- calculation, except you, the taxpayer, the tax cattle, if you will, they're milking you for the interest on these bloated loans that they're, they're taking out to fund wars. Yeah, ultimately, there's two things that get harvested from you. One of them is you do what someone tells you to do. And the other is you go out and in your own creative capacity, produce some actual value for some other person, and they get a chunk of that. Right, but in, in, the, in the government extraction, the, the transaction is they are providing you a service and then forcibly extracting the payment. Like you're, 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 you're a captive customer not the product. Uh, what service might they claim to be providing? Because we already Courts, know. Cops and roads. We already know that they have no duty to protect. I got gotcha. you. So, what were the other ones? Courts, Courts cops, and roads. Cops Those are the big ones. And roads. Uh, all of which we don't need government to provide. I'm not saying we do, but yeah. what I'm saying is the what they extract from you in their mind is payment for those services. Like you, you're you're a captive customer. You're not the. They're not selling you to China. Not saying, well, we've got Captain Kickass here, and you know, Captive Kickass. Okay, fine, Captive Kickass. <laughs> you know, we've got Captive Kickass. It would be Captive Kickass, and yeah. we we know you, the Chinese people need That's a radio so personality, so we're going to like yeah. trade him to China. Like, you're not the product; you're a captive customer. You're you're forced to pay. Uh, no, you absolutely are the product because you are what produces value. They don't care if you produce value. No, They're they absolutely do. That is what this whole system is set up to extract. You produce value. They like you have, but they give thing. it to somebody else. Right. Right. Because so they that don't they produce can get anything what they themselves. Want. But they're not giving you to somebody else. They're, again, the, tr- the transactional relationship is not one of a product like it is in Facebook and Google. Yeah. For me, the, the analogy of the matrix is more accurate, right? You are the battery, if you will, okay. that they're extracting energy from uh, in order to forward their goals. I got it. Uh, or but in, or in that you analogy, are the cattle, you're the cow with which they're milking, and the milk is your tax money. Right. But in that analogy, they're also giving that milk back to other cows or using that battery to charge other batteries. Right. But without... I they mean, can't but, extract okay. it from everybody. But first, sure. they're taking a healthy chunk off the top for themselves and their friends. Got it. So do you know anything about how electronics work? Generally, yes. Okay. But- Taking that energy from this battery and putting it into this battery is exactly how they work. Okay. Yeah, that's how that works. But that makes the, then the other batteries not the product; it's the recipient. They can't. You can't do. You can't make the analogy work for everybody because some people are recipients okay. of the energy. So sure, uh, some people are more like a battery, and some people are more like a capacitor. Some people are more like a resistor. Okay. But what I want is uh, <laughs> I'm a uh, resistor. What? There you go. I'm here doing this. Fair enough. 
So what I want is for uh, my my program, for example, to my, my little TV show to show up on my phone. Now, in order for that to happen, I have to send this energy from this battery through these resistors, through these capacitors, so on and so forth, in order to right. get the thing that I want. Got it. So all of those pieces are people. I got it. I just... I don't now. I if I sell you a phone, it has all of these pieces in it, and those pieces better work, or I'm not selling you something that you want to give me what I want in exchange for, which is the money. Right. Right. But if so you're the government, the, you just so give those me the pieces phone and then you are a extra. product. We've been trying to talk about these speed cameras in New York City, which have issued 4.5 million tickets this year alone. Totaling in the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. How much is that per ticket? That's a good question. Uh, The expansion marks a significant shift from the previous restriction that limited speed camera operation to weekdays between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., but they're now uh, operating 24-7, right? So they were like, ooh, look at all this revenue we're generating between just this 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., half a day. What if we ran these things all day? Money printer go... Right. While there is a legislative limit of 750 school zones where cameras can be placed, the actual number of cameras exceeds this figure. Only 750 school zones? Yeah. The actual number of cameras exceeds this figure due to the allowance of multiple cameras within these zones, resulting in approximately 2,000 cameras deployed across all five boroughs. So New York City... Uh, you are basically living George Orwell's 1984. There are cameras everywhere tracking you, tracking everything you do. They're in your pocket. They're at your schools. They're on the streets. They're you know on the corner of every place that you ever go, every store that you've ever visited. If I did the math right, it's about $45 a ticket. The report analyzing data from the city's open data page notes that New York City speed cameras restricted to within a quarter mile of schools have levied $50 fines on drivers going over the speed limit by 10 miles an hour or more. So there you go. that's in line with your calculation. So it, it also leads me to believe that at only $50, not a lot of people are challenging this, right? No. I, that would be a good guess. But if 4.5 million people started challenging it. Yeah, the and if frogs had over. wings, they wouldn't bump their butt when they jump. Well, well I mean, we we're if in, even like one we're million. In we we ask for a trial if it's a ten dollar parking ticket. Yeah, even if right? even yeah, if one both of us. even if even if I've, one million people out Manchester. of these four point five right were to uh, contest the yeah. ticket and take it to court, even if they lost, that would be enough to overwhelm the court system. Well, it would be. It would. It would be. It wouldn't overwhelm the court system. It would just make it more expensive for them to collect their forty-five. I, I think one million people contesting oh, I these you said tickets. One person. Sorry. No. No. Okay. Even one. Like, if it's four point five million okay. of these tickets, if one million of yeah, them yeah, were yeah. contested, that okay. alone would be enough. I miss like twenty twenty percent. I That's think of I that number. Twenty percent okay. of that number should be enough to like overwhelm the court system. Okay. So, you misheard him as well. Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do we get people to a point where they're able and willing to challenge these things because for most people in new york city i mean the rent's already three grand a month or something well this is this this is the problem with libertarianism in general right like you need you need the collective action of a large group of people Mm -hmm. but at no at no individual level does it make financial sense to do it right no individual goes like well i'm going to challenge this because it's it's financially beneficial to me 
I'm going to get more than fifty dollars out of right. this. It's you probably know. going to cost yeah. them more than it's fifty bucks. It's going to cost them more. This to is like take time off work to pay for parking right, yeah. to go to the thing to get the judgment. Yeah. To, right. This is yeah. basically the problem of morality. Like, why bother not stealing from people? Like, I could get away with stealing that. I want that. I could have my money and that. Why don't I steal that? Now, the, you're an honest person. Okay, what if that's not valuable to me? It's usually the fear of reprisal and repercussions. Like, like, okay, so like here, sure, there's a bunch of us that'll uh, go into court for a for a ticket sure. in Keene, New Hampshire, right. and a big part of that is because it maintains our view of ourselves as we are non-slaves who are fighting enslavement, or however you want to phrase that. Sure, yeah. Some version of that. So it, it reinforces your identity. So what you're getting in exchange for all of the pain and torment of actually fighting this is your identity. Mm-hmm. Now, in in the same way, maintaining an identity as a moral, decent human being mm-hmm. means that I have to, like, not steal that candy bar and a billion other little things in order to keep that view of myself. But if that's not valuable to you, then you're not going to do it. So people who aren't us... It's not valuable to them to reinforce their identity as fighting an unjust power yeah. because that's not their identity. Well, and that's why it's rampant in California, right? It's Not only is it not their identity to be morally righteous, but it is their identity to, like, steal from the corporation because mm-hmm. that's who the real oppressor is to them. Right. right? And the state backs it by making it not criminal. Right. right it's, yeah. Oh, it's a fine. It's just, a th- and so they yeah, just, we're not prosecuting shoplifters anymore. Right. So like, they just, what? So you walk in, you steal it. You're you're doing something righteous against the evil corporations, mm-hmm. and you have the backing of the state. All we've really gotten to the bottom of is, do I have mass? Yes. Oh. Do I have orbit? No. <laughs> right. I don't have enough mass to like have my own orbit. At least not yet. But anyway. your mom does. Well, or okay. did. And like. <laughs> And I'm good with the whole like I don't blate I, I don't just blindly accept this idea. Okay, great, cool. Do you have a better one? Do you have a theory that has more explanatory power than this one? Is that required? Yes. Okay. Like otherwise, you're just I disbelieve just because. It's like okay, well, so quantum physics, for example, is why your phone works. Okay. Like if quantum physics was not at least a pretty good description of how reality was then they couldn't have uh, quantum tunneling diodes i was speaking more in generalities because a lot of what we get from status right is well how would you do it and then yeah. libertarians run off into the like well this is how i would centrally plan things direction and i don't think that that second part is necessary to reject the state right they, they run into like one of a bazillion possibilities right because none of us actually knows right what life looks like in the absence of the state because the state won't allow us to explore these right. ideas. So I don't well, think I have to come so up with a better theory. I actually don't yours. think I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that Excuse uh, me. Thank so I, I think that there's a, a gray between pure statism and pure free market. And you get to experience what more state like behavior and what more market like behavior is. And what we see is that the more market like a behavior is, the greater it is at wealth production. Yes. And the more state-like a behavior is, the greater it is at everything we hate. Oppression. Yes. Right. Oppression, violence, yep. uh, free evil is basically what that generates. So 
sure, we may not know what absolute free marketism is, and maybe absolute zero doesn't exist, but we can theorize what absolute zero would be like because we experience the difference between hot and cold. So if if that's the dichotomy and the state's goal is nice to... Nice word. Love that word. If the, if the state's goal is to milk you of production... Mm-hmm. And they know they'll get more production well, out of you. Milk you of production and to control you. Okay. So not only do they want to get some of your production, but they also want to make sure that some of your production is not going where they don't want it. So they so they have to balance free markets with oppression. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's why we have uh, a democracy. They've found that this is the most effective way of making people believe that they are free when they are in fact not. Okay. Why right. hasn't North Korea figured it out? Because they seem to be the most oppressed, the less free market. Because they're busy, um, what's the word, demonizing South Korea. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right. So okay. uh, politicians, like, I mean, and like maybe I'm oversimplifying here, but politicians do this fun thing called divide and conquer. Okay. Right? Uh, you just convince the, the pitchfork people uh, that the torch people want to take away their pitchforks, and you convince the torch people that the pitchfork people want to take away their torches. No, I get it. But I don't think Kim Jong-un's a dummy. Right. So if if he wants to be like a bigger part of the world stage, yeah. he ought to open up North Korea to more market phenomenon so he can extract more productivity from his people, and he doesn't. It's a good question. Well, his system actually requires that he doesn't do that. Go on. Yeah, so it's wacky. There's this whole, um, okay, you know how Uncanny Valley works, right? Uh, yes. Where like, if it is you know, definitely human, then it's good and happy and relatable. And if it's different enough, then, oh, look at that robot. It's cute. But there's this weird valley in between where no one wants to see that happen. It's like it's too human-like, but not human-like enough. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. You guys are libertarian types, right? Types, sure. Uh, and libertarian types aren't necessarily known for getting up early at the crack of dawn and like getting a start on their day and all that kind of stuff, right? Not known for it, but my alarm goes off pretty early in the morning. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not known for it personally. No, I, yeah. Uh, if I were, if I didn't have to set an alarm for anything, I would just sleep until whenever. And that's probably, I don't know, noon or something like that, right? You know? When my body gets around to like, hey, I think you've slept enough. It's time to wake up now. Uh, you know, it might be, you know, midway through the day or something like that. Uh, if I sleep past eight, I feel like I wasted the whole morning. So if you uh, if your alarm goes off or you normally wake up at X, whatever time that is. Ten. And you decide to just sort of not get out of bed for a while. You're not really going back to sleep, but you're just kind of lying there, right? And you're like, oh, I don't really want to get up. I'll just lay here for a little while. Yep. What do you call that? Hmm. Laziness. It's called, there's a term for it. Oh. It's called Herkel Durkel. 
Okay. Herkel Durkel. Herkel Durkel. I, is this the word of the day? I, I crap you not. Yes, this is the vocabulary word of the day. That was an awkward segue into the vocabulary word of the day. Hence the term, right? right. I figured we'd lead right. with the awkward segue into the awkward segue. Got it. Right? There we well go. played. Herkel dash Durkel, uh, both with the useless English E at the end of each of the words. So Herkley Durkley, if hey, you will. Hey, hey, hey. If you take that E away, I'll know that it's an app. Or okay. German. Uh, verb. To lay around in bed long after you should have got up from the Scots. So it's a Scottish word. To herkle durkle is to lounge so around in bed long after you should have so gotten up. So it's actually herkle durkle. Herkle durkle. <laughs> oh, it's a herkle durkle. Right, yeah. Oh, it's got a bit of a herkle durkle. <laughs> there you go. Nice. It's not having any crack. Leave it to the, the double bearded bastard to. Give us the Scottish <laughs> to, to wake up and not get out of bed. That's the oh, that's the definition of Hergel Durkel. Like okay. a lot of words that crop up, Hergel Durkel is an old dialect term. In this case, one from the 18th century Southern Scotland. It's one of the earliest records, or one of its earliest records, comes from John Jameson's Etymological Dictionary of the Scottish Language in 1808. Hergel Durkel to lie in bed or to lounge after it's time to get up or go to work. That is the the word of the day. So, there you go. All right. Uh, Jameson points to dirk or dirch, an old Germanic word for the hold of a ship, as the word's probable origin, perhaps seeing some kind of etymological connection between someone lurking in bed and someone lurking in the dim, grimy bottom of a ship. He should really try changing his sheets more often, says the author. So, anyway, there you go. Herkel Durkel. Do you Herkel Durkel? Uh, not usually. Do you Herkel Durkel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a yeah. Herkel Durkler. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good band name. The Herkel Durklers. Right? Nobody would know what it meant. And then, like, your stage setup is just, like, a bunch of, like, Murphy beds or something. And so, before it's time for you to go on, it's just all the band members laying down. Yeah. I have open for Oakley Doakley. <laughs> yeah. I, I have what you call bad sleep hygiene. Like, good sleep hygiene. You don't wash your is, sheets? No, no, no. <laughs> you would think, right? But, no, good sleep hygiene is when you only use your bed for nookie and sleeping. Uh, oh, Okay. I do not. Okay. I use it for everything. But kitchen table? Uh, yeah, from time to time. I mean, like, what other things can you use well, your bed for? I was in a small apartment, and I had that same setup. Right? Yeah. Like, I didn't have space for a sitting area. Yeah. So I sat on the bed, and I watched TV, like, sitting up on the bed, and I sure. slept on the bed, and my food was, like, on the table that oh, was attached to the so bed. So we're talking about futons. Wait, quick question. Is Herkel Durkle a, a noun or a verb? Verb. Verb. Yeah. Okay, to so herkle when durkle. I herkle durkle, when I am herkling durkling, is, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll, it, I'll reach over to my phone, durkling? turn off the alarm, and then poke around on my phone for the next hour. Okay. That's how, that's how I durkle my herkles. Okay. I mean, as long as your are I'm durkling are, around on my herkling phone. As long as your durkles are getting herkles. Right. Right, like, who right. cares, right? I mean... That's the important part. Like, I get up, get ready, and then may return to the bed to play some video games, or I will go to the couch and play some video games before uh, work. Uh, so your bed is also your uh, video game, uh, yeah, like, so preferred area? It's not even the preferred area. It's just the definition here says occasion. says, mm. you may be a Herkle Durkler. I may be. Because it says, to Herkle Durkle is to lounge around in bed longer after you should have gotten up. 
Well, so but if I have you're, gotten up and then I return. But but if right, but if you're in bed, if you're lounging in bed long after you should have gotten up, right. I think playing video games in bed after you like you know you got up, you hit the john, you came back. Oh, I'm gonna play some video games now. Yeah. I think that still qualifies as herkle dirkle. Okay, but sometimes I do it on the couch. So is it still herkling and dirkling? Only if you slept on the couch. Okay. Seattle limits cops from knowingly lying after suspect commits suicide. This is a weird one because that sounds like good news. It yeah. does sound like good news because we've all talked about how uh, police can lie to you and, in fact, are trained to do so mm-hmm. in yeah. order to get you to do things like admit to something you didn't do or otherwise pigeonhole yourself. And this is why uh, this isn't legal advice, but why my uh, own personal stance is I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Mm. Right, cops going to pull me over and they're going to ask me questions. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions. Uh, And they're going to say some other stuff. And I'm going to say stuff like, am I being detained or am I free to go? And if they go, you're being detained. You're like, lawyer. Well, the legal advice (laughs) that speak a hole, the legal advice that is on on offer. And, you know, if you have a legal advisor, go ahead and double check this. But it is always don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they tell you it all up front. Everything you say can and will and will be used against you. Nothing you say can or will be used for you. Right. And the thing is, even if, in, and in fact, especially if you are completely innocent of everything that you think that they are going to pin on you, don't say anything because your testimony can lead to not only your arrest, not only your imprisonment, but the imprisonment of some other completely uninvolved party. Yep. They can take your piece of information, put it together with something you're completely unaware of that then frames another wholly innocent person. I don't remember the source, but there was a poll, and we've talked about it here on Free Talk Live a couple of times. There was a poll done of not just defense lawyers, but also prosecutors. Yeah. Uh, and they were asked, hey, uh, can you cite a case? where the defendant would have been better off had he just talked to the cops at the time of stop or arrest or whatever it was. And none of them could cite one. There was never, ever a case in, like, all the lawyers that they pulled where, like, somebody would have been better off had they just started yapping to the police. And I'll just add real quick, it's it's a misnomer, I believe, that you have to be Mirandized before that takes effect. Right, like if they start yeah. talking to you and they haven't, you know, given you that anything you say can and will be used against. Oh, they don't. It, they don't have to. Right, right. They straight up do not have to right. tell you what your rights are. Right. Understood. So even more so, people was talking like, well, they didn't read me my rights. Doesn't matter. Right, right. They just know it up front. Keep your mouth shut. Yep. Zip it. Yeah. Now I I'll say I don't always take this advice. Okay. So, like, when I get pulled over, and given the kind of car I tend to drive, I get pulled over a lot. Okay. Because it really is just that simple. They, I look like a guy who can't afford a lawyer, which is accurate. But you're so driving get, a Lambo, right? Right. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> right. On the so ride. when I oh, get wait, pulled I'm sorry, over, Ferrari. I actually do cooperate. I, uh, when they ask me, where am I coming from? Where am I going? I do cooperate because a lot of the time they will just let me go. And if I straight off the bat, oh, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions, then this is probably going to get a lot thornier and take a lot more of my time. That is a tactical. And that that is the gamble. Yep. That is the gamble. I did recently get pulled over for doing a lot in an area where I was supposed to be doing a little. And uh, (laughs) I did talk, right? And the little got more and more? And uh, No. um, Like, 
whatever I said, uh, and it was just like, yeah, you know, my car is, it's only a V6. It doesn't, you know, I was just, I hammer on a little bit. It bogs down going up the hill. That's why, you know, I realized, you know. And so they got, the guy runs my license. He comes back. He just throws it in the car. He's like, thanks. Have a nice day. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, I must be free to go. So I went and that was it. Right. But that was like the most unusual thing that I've ever done. Normally, I'm just like, they're like, hey, how's it going today? I'm like, fine. And they're like, can we see your papers? I'm like, sure. And I'll hand them the papers. And if there's anything after that, you know, I'll be like, uh, you know, they look like one time I got pulled over. They looked in the car. I got like a backpack in the passenger seat on the floor. They're like, what's in the bag? And I'm like, I don't think I have to answer that. And they just moved on to the next question. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't answer questions. They're like, okay. And then they took my license, went back and came oh, back no. and gave me a ticket or whatever. Yeah, right? Usually those are the only ones they ask me is, where are you coming from and where are you going? Yeah. So there's all sorts of uh, hubbub and, you know, talkings about uh, the CBDC and uh, social credit scores mm-hmm. and government ID and surveillance and all that kind of stuff. By the way, uh, a piece of good news that, I mean, bad news always travels faster, but uh, may have gotten overlooked. Like, uh, so you know how Zimbabwe was uh, like right on board with the CBDC? Yeah, it turns out it didn't work. Huh. Yeah, yeah, it was such an absolute fiasco that they have completely backed off. That's interesting, considering so, we've got like one the for $1 trillion dollar Zimbabwe note on the board. How much worse is that CBDC thing worth? Or not. Uh, this from last-chance-4-eidas.org. Uh, Reliable we'll, source. Yeah, we'll post this in uh, uh, all of our social media. Uh, before the show's over, or maybe when it's over. Uh, Last chance to fix EIDAS. Secret EU law threatens internet security. Over 500 cybersecurity experts, researchers, and NGOs sign an open letter sounding the alarm. This is dated November 2nd of 2023. After years of legislative process, the near final text of the EIDAS regulation has been agreed by trialogue negotiators representing EU's key bodies and will be presented to the public and parliament for a rubber stamp before the end of the year. New legislative articles introduced in recent closed-door meetings and not yet public envision that all web browsers distributed in Europe will be required to trust the certificate authorities and cryptographic keys selected by EU governments. Sorry, it wasn't uh, Zimbabwe. It was Nigeria. Very well. All right. Uh, these changes uh, in the EU radically expand the capability of EU governments to surveil their citizens by ensuring cryptographic keys under government control can be used to intercept encrypted web traffic across the EU. So they're breaking encryption. Any EU member state has the ability to designate cryptographic keys for distribution in web browsers and browsers are forbidden from revoking trust in these keys without government permission. Trust us. You must. Yeah. Or else. You don't have any choice. Yeah. This enables the government of any EU member state to issue website certificates for interception and surveillance, which can be used against every EU citizen, even those not resident in or connected to the issuing member state. So, okay. Hold on real quick. Yep. if it's going to break encryption, even if they make it a law, uh, what is the likelihood that they find browser makers or software developers compliant? 
Because you can't break encryption. You can't put a back door in for well, the government only. So this is why they're issuing cryptographic keys to the government. So I, this is basically a permanent back door to any browsers it. issued in the EU. But any any permanent back door that's created will eventually be exploited by hackers. Correct. So you can't do it. Like it, if they do this, then all encryption is broken forever. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of compliance. Well, while you're that using, is exactly what's going to happen in the EU. Right. While you're using you think the browser, browsers. Uh, well, do you think the browser makers are going to like comply or just yes. not distribute in the EU? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I think that the, the big names are going to comply. Uh, okay. Your Googles, your Microsofts, and a bunch of them will simply stop distributing in the EU. You'll have okay. more questions. There is no independent check or balance on the decisions made by member states with respect to the keys they authorize and use that they put them to. This is particularly troubling given that adherence to the rule of law has not been uniform across all member states. There you go. With documented instances of coercion by secret police for political purposes. You must use Chrome. So currently, uh, at least according to this, the most danger that you could have is the state using this for their own surveillance purposes. Uh, Which is why they're putting in a back door. Right. Yeah. The text goes on to ban browsers from applying security checks to these EU keys and certificates, except those pre-approved by the EU's IT standards body known as ETSI, E-T-S-I. That's the European something standard body. Uh, The rigid structure would be problematic with any entity, but government-controlled standard bodies are especially susceptible to misaligned incentives in cryptography. Etsy, in particular, has both a concerning track record of producing compromised cryptographic standards and a working group dedicated entirely to developing interception technology. The introduction of this text so late in the legislative process and behind closed doors is also deeply concerning for democratic norms in Europe. Although the deal itself was publicly announced in late June, the announcement doesn't even mention website certificates, let alone these new provisions. So it's just going to be it's just going to be mass non-compliance on the user level. This has made it extremely difficult for civil society, academics, and the general public to scrutinize or even be aware of the laws the representatives have signed off in private meetings. This will uh, result, I, th- I believe, in a spawn of what I like to call parallel networks. Okay. Right? So everybody thinks that the internet is singular, right? And to some extent, they're right. That's how it is currently uh, designed, implemented, and treated. But it doesn't have to be. Did you know that networking more than one computer together with another one is also a form of internet? Yes. And if you, parties. And, right, and if you can create an alternative network to, quote, the internet, unquote, mesh networks, for example, in small neighborhoods that relay between neighborhoods, right? So they, you know, they end up being, it's basically nodes, so it's a distributed network. It but won't if, matter if compliance is at browser level, though, because what are you going to use to access that network? Uh, well, it won't matter because they can't police that network, so. They're policing the browser, the back door is going to be on the browser. But that browser has to be on right. the so, internet, not the parallel internet. Well, what are you going to, what, again, what, are you, what software are you going to use to access the parallel internet? Uh, a browser that does not contain any ability to track. Okay. And then, so again, you could just use that, that browser is more 
uh, is is more the solution right. yes. than changing totally. up to the browser, VPN, Tor, you know, all the privacy things that go along. You're just going to see an uptick in all that. You're going to yeah. see an increase in the black and gray markets for these types of softwares. You'll probably see encryption-based uh, blockchain browsers and that kind of stuff. Just like I originally installed Netscape Navigator. It came on CD. <laughs> Uh, the article continues, outcry across academia, civil society, and industry. Over 500 cybersecurity experts and researchers from around the world have signed an open letter calling for the EU to abandon these plans and safeguard the web. Yeah, because it, it, once that backdoor is there, everything is broken. Like, everything is broken. Yeah. A hacker will get it, and they will exploit it. Because mm-hmm. you can't you can't create an exploit like that yep. and only give it to the politicians. Well, and of course, the, the biggest so hacker I, is I going actually, to be the politicians. I do and the police. not care if that happens or not. Like the politicians are the worst scum of humanity, and if they already have it, what difference does it make it if a slightly smaller criminal also has this backdoor? Or if every criminal has this backdoor, and not just the worst, most child-molesting, murderous words I'm not allowed to say. I, I was going to say, you're, you're speaking of politicians again. Yes, I am. <laughs> right. So they, if they already have the backdoor on this, they are the worst criminals. So what difference does it make if independent criminals gain access to what the biggest criminals yeah. have. I want In- no criminals to have any well, access to this right. whatsoever. Independent criminals will do more damage to an individual. No. Uh, the, government, the government will tax you. The independent criminal will empty out your bank account because it, it caught the traffic and the login information midway. Yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe, but I think uh, once once government attacks an individual, they could do far more damage than an individual hacker. Understood, but the government isn't going to go after everybody, right? They're going to target people who are political dissidents, right? Right. But a hacker is going to target somebody with grandma. a weak password or right. somebody they can social engineer or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm, government goes after grandma plenty of the time. I get it, but they're not emptying grandma's bank account overnight. Do you know nothing about the IRS? Again, if we want, if you're talking about taxes. They don't take 100%. They, they kind of do, actually. And they take like 30 40%, 50 if you're in a higher tax bracket. They're not, they're not going into grandma's bank account and emptying it out. No, they're threatening grandma to kidnap her if she doesn't empty out her own bank account but for the next taking, 30 years. Understood. But that's, that doesn't affect grandma on a day-to-day basis. If she wakes up the yes, next morning... Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If she wakes up the next morning and can't afford her medicines or food, that's far worse than the government. And you like think that doesn't a, happen when the IRS goes after them? I don't think the IRS is going to go after everyone like a hacker will. Oh, the IRS is incredibly indiscriminate. They go after the easiest ones to go after. Low-hanging fruit. Yes, they go after low-hanging fruit. And frequently, that is grandma. And no, they do not care if that means that grandma can't afford her medicine. Right, but they don't do that. They're not going to hack into grandma's bank account and make it so she has no money for the next day. No, of course not. After reading the near-final text, we are deeply concerned by the proposed text for Article 45. The current proposal radically expands the ability of governments to surveil both their own citizens and residents across the EU by providing them with technical means to intercept encrypted web traffic, as well as undermining the existing oversight mechanisms relied on by European citizens. 
We ask that you urgently reconsider this text and make clear that Article 45 will not interfere with trust decisions around the cryptographic keys and certificates used to secure web traffic. Civil society groups have also backed the letter, including the Internet Society, European Digital Rights, the EFF, Epicenter Works, and many more. Their calls have also been echoed by companies that help build and secure the Internet using the Linux Foundation, Molvad, DNSO.eu, and Mozilla, who have put out their own statement. Uh, so this text is subject to approval of the final closed-door trialogue meeting in Brussels on November 8th. That apparently has already occurred, after which it will be published and presented for formal ratification in the European Parliament. I hope the second letter is, even if you pass it, we will not comply. Right. I mean... Well, you should be in favor of this measure. Why? Well, consider your perspective on Twitter, for example. If you allow an absolute free speech, it will degenerate into the worst possible speech. On so Twitter, if yes. the right, so if the if the internet is free speech, then by its nature it's going to degenerate into the worst possible speech. We should have a controlled platform so that it doesn't degenerate. I think you're conflating. I don't think uh, the internet is not necessarily a free speech platform as it is. Right. No. Okay. Can be. No, I would definitely say that it is as much of a free speech platform as it is possible to have. The internet? Yes. Yeah, any schmuck can put up like the worst possible website for, if they feel like it. For now, and my fear has right, always... Right, right, which my, means this should really be like, you know, yeah, I'm glad they're finally cleaning this up. That way we can have an internet because otherwise it will just degenerate. Well, there's... Again, I think you're conflating, right? Tw people will leave Twitter... And if the internet is overwhelmed with like, you know, degeneracy that people cannot avoid, then yes, people will leave, right? Like that's why there's already ad blockers. That's why you don't have, you know, pop-ups for porn sites anymore mm. because it wasn't serving the market. Well, isn't but, this just another version of that? But there are the, the, the hate platforms, right, will soon find that they can't get hosting, right? They, they won't be able to get buy a domain name. Right, they, like there's gatekeepers to the internet all the way around, and I'm not suggesting that they should, but they absolutely could, and that would that would break it, that would break the internet, but it would keep all those hate platforms off, and there will be people that will cheer for it because they don't want to see that. All right, uh, moving back into we mentioned this uh, during one of the other segments, so I want to get to it. Uh, it's from Zero Hedge. Seattle limits cops from knowingly lying after suspect commits suicide. So we know that mm, cops are trained to lie to you. Mm -hmm. uh, they can lie to you with no repercussions. However, if you yep. lie to them, you can be found in all sorts of trouble. Yep. Uh, the city of Seattle has implemented a new policy that prevents police officers from knowingly lying to influence suspects. Now, knowingly, that's a, that's a pretty big word. Right? How do you prove knowingly lying? You know. Yeah, this seems like the sort of thing that just makes it uh, uh, more and more important to have ignorant police. So this uh, comes up after incidents in 2018 and 2020 may have contributed to a suicide and incited chaos during the George, the George Floyd protests, according to MyNorthwest.com. Uh, following, uh, no, sorry. In the 2018 case, a, sus a suspect in Seattle automobile accident committed suicide after a Seattle police officer lied in a ruse, falsely telling the man's friend 
that a woman was in critical condition from the crash. Oh, yeah. Bastards. Uh, this is an expert or ex- excerpt. Let's see if I can talk today. So he was riddled with guilt, thinking that he had done some serious damage. The man, who has since been identified as Porter Feller, had fled from the scene of a multi-vehicle accident in May of 2018. Two officers followed up at the home his car was registered to, telling his friend Maggie Parks that a victim in the hit-and-run was near death, despite the fact that there were no actual injuries reported from the crash. One of the officers remarked to his partner, It's a lie, but it's fun. Okay. I mean, Honestly, this this sounds like the fundamental nature of government. So even though, uh, say, driving over the speed limit right. did not harm anybody, you put everyone at risk, right. and that makes them victims. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.